when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Harris, they don't talk. Is that something you just ignore? Yeah. Yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired, and the next week you're going to take another job. And I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question, our purpose is to win. Make no mistake about it. But it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt. Uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vowels on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, I'm gearing up for the season, and my goodness, Shane. We yes. went from about zero to 60 in two episodes <laughs> here, didn't we? Because all of a sudden, you know, camps, fall camps all across the SEC are opening up. Now, of course, you know, they go a little easy during the the first practice or two, not in full pads uh-huh. and everything. So uh, there's not a ton of, you know, to glean from who's winning this quarterback position, who's winning this position battle. We don't have that, but we do got – you know, the, the next couple of days here, we're going to have every coach on the record, all these players on the record. And my goodness, now that we got the the schedules out, we got lines to, to bet on uh-huh. here. We got all these coaches. It feels like the season's finally here. Hell yeah, Mike. It is opened up. And it's so funny because, like you said, I just let, letting you guys know a little bit behind the scenes, Mike is the workhorse in this operation. I'm pretty sure everybody knows that, but they keep telling me I'm doing a good job. So, <laughs> but what really is going on, Mike does all the work. He gets all this stuff together. He's he, the show topics, everything's every now and then I got a stupid idea that he shoots down and it, then he, he gets these clips and he sends them to me. And I'm, and usually I'm telling you guys, it's, it, you've listened. If you, You've listened to us. It's been bottom of the barrel. Sometimes we can get a coach saying something. Sometimes we can't. But Mike sent over 27 minutes of coach talk today. And I tell you what, man, I was smiling ear to ear because it just all of a sudden it said, we're here, man. We are here. The season is cranking up, Mike. I love it. Well, before we dive into it, you know, we always like to start with something light if we can. And I thought the best, you, you just referenced it right there, 27 minutes of clips, but the best one, Coach Drinkowitz. Now, we'll get to more of Coach Drinkowitz, but we got to open with his best line. He was, taught, he was asked about the leadership of defensive lineman Kobe Whiteside, six foot one, 300-pound monster on the defensive line there from Missouri. <laughs> Here's uh, all you need to know about uh, Whiteside's leadership there in Columbia. Have you seen Kobe Whiteside? He's got a body of a Greek god. That guy told me to put on a mask. I put on a mask too. 
yes, he is a leader. He uh, does a nice job of, of, you know, his personal life and his on-the-field life match. You know, he lives a low-drama, off-the-field life, takes care of his body, does things the right way, and then he performs well on the field. And when you do that, you have um, credibility when you speak to your teammates about what they're doing off the field. And I think that's the thing that we all appreciate and love about Kobe. And, uh, yeah, I wish I had arms that size. Oh, man, wouldn't we all love to have arms like that, those pythons? You know what? <laughs> I thought he was talking about me there for a second, Mike. <laughs> Dude, I, I love I'm, – I'm starting to fall in love with Eli. And uh, there, there's a couple things that came out this weekend, you know, especially with him doing – did you see him doing practice, running drills? He was running bags out there. Yeah, anybody that missed it, uh, it's on our Twitter feed there at uh, That SEC Podcast. But, man, they opened this thing up. Coach is running through drills. He's all fired up. He's doing jumping jacks. I mean, this guy missed the football as much as we all did. And, uh, you know, it's just great to see this energy and enthusiasm. And, and I'm just like you, Ben. His his personality has grown on us in the offseason. And I'm just damn glad he's in the SEC. And I think he is, too, because he comes from Appalachia State. Now he's inheriting yeah. these guys like Whiteside, who he's just over there. My God, look at this guy's arm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'd be saying, man. Just have you? It's so funny watching some of these kids. It's just like, golly, these are grown ass men, Mike. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there, there's these boys. We may have had some downtime. We may have had some off seasons, but I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of these players coming out, and they, they did. They put the work in, and it's starting to show. So, uh, I, I just hope that uh, th- this, this attitude, this players coach style that that Eli seems to have I hope it just keeps going because uh, I, I think he's going to get a lot of players that way all right Shane so before we go around the league let's talk about some gambling we love gambling on this show yeah and with the SEC week one schedule officially out FanDuel they were the first sports book that I saw that put out lines betting lines for each game so we're going to run mm-hmm. down these real quick and I'm going to go in order here from the greatest spreads to the lowest ones. So this is kind of, uh, you know, kind of an indication of how good these games are. But we'll start with Vanderbilt mm-hmm. at Texas A&M. The Aggies, 28-and-a-half-point favorite. So then Vanderbilt getting <laughs> over four touchdowns <laughs> on the road to in the opener. And, you know, much like a lot of people, FanDuel's pretty high on the Aggies. I love big spread, especially at the start of the season, Mike. You know, just just because think about it. So a lot of these teams have a tough time getting things going. Now, I know it's against Vanderbilt, but still, four touchdowns, that's a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just happy that we're not opening against Cupcake U and it's like 60-point <laughs> yeah. lines. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's true. 28 is your biggest spread. And uh, I'm kind of liking Vandy on that one. But uh, we're not doing predictions. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Come on, man. I want to do some gambling. <laughs> All right. Next game on the docket, Georgia at Arkansas. The Bulldogs favored by 24 points. And again, like you, we don't even know how good Georgia's offense is going to be week one. Arkansas and those points is looking a little tempting. Oh, man, that's still – damn, that's a lot of points, Mike. You know what I'm saying? And it's just – I. And we know hmm. nothing about Georgia's offense. You know, with the new offensive line, new coordinator, new quarterback, uh, receivers are a little banged up at this point. Well, and, and that's the thing. You know, a, a game like this, Sam knows. I mean, he knows exactly what Georgia has. 
You know, it's, it's the, he knows every starter that's going to be on that field. And he also knows that the only way that they're going to win a game like this is, cre- you know, kind of like what Kentucky did last season. So I'm imagining a lot of running uh, 24 points. That's a lot of points. If uh, you know, if you can, if, if Sam's able to keep that offense, uh, keep that offense humming. So man, that's a, that's an interesting spread. I like that. All right. Next game on the docket, Alabama at Missouri, Alabama, 21 and a half point favorite. And they don't have a damn clue who they're going to be seeing a quarterback from Missouri. We'll, and we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but <laughs> 21 points, Mike. I mean, think about that. Openings, I, I, it, it didn't dawn on me, but you're right. Without these cupcake games, I mean, you here we are, three down. The biggest spread is only 21 points. That's that's the type of season we're going to be playing. This is Alabama. This is Mizzou. And Mizzou's holding – well, we'll get to it here in a minute. Jeez, sorry. There's a good <laughs> clip Eli gets to here in a minute. All right, next game on the docket, Mike. Mississippi State at LSU. LSU an 18-and-a-half point favorite. Mm. And this is going to be a tough one to bet on because so much uncertainty for LSU. They got all the talent in the world, though. And then Mississippi mm-hmm. State, same deal. New defense, new offense, new players all over the field. Mike Leach into this matchup. This is probably going to be a stay away from me regardless of what the line is. For sure. Yeah, I, I mean, just so many question marks coming into this game, man. And you know the Pirate ain't going to tell you anything. <laughs> Next game on the docket, Florida at Ole Miss. Gators favored by 10 and a half. Pretty surprised oh. by this line. I thought it would be a little bit higher. Yeah, that's that is surprising. I mean, if you're an Ole Miss fan, if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I'm like, yeah, we're right there. You know what I'm saying? But if I'm a Florida fan, I'm getting my money ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of tweets saying, please, God, don't bet on the Gators. <laughs> All right, next game on the docket, Kentucky at Auburn. And remember, a couple months ago, this line was at 17 and a half. We pleaded with you to bet on Kentucky. Pissed off a lot of Auburn fans. But, you know, when we see these early lines, what we're trying to tell you, it's not necessarily that, like, Auburn's going to, you know, be jacked this season and they're going to lose all these games. We're trying to give you value on these lines. And here's the real line, Auburn, minus nine. So you'd have almost an eight-point value if you listen to us back when this line first came out. It's Auburn favored by nine. And, hell, I still, I'm still i still liking Kentucky in this matchup. Well, I don't know, Mike. Uh, you know, nine, nine's, nine's a tricky number. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you, you want to go with Kentucky, but, you know, a touchdown and a field goal and this thing's out of hand. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's just it's way too early, Mike. Way too early. My, my gambling's not right. I like – I, I've been on record saying I like the Wildcats, and I loved it. What was that? Seventeen at one point. Mm-hmm. Seventeen yeah, and a half. So, yeah, that that was a no brainer. Now, when you're in single digits, it's you. You really want to hold off a little bit and see, <laughs> you know, for starters, uh, what kind of what, what kind of team are we going to be looking at here? You know. Mm-hmm. All right, final game on the docket. This one's for you, Shane. Tennessee at South Carolina. The Vols mm-hmm. a one point favorite, so nearly a toss up oh. game here. Yeah, but not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just kidding. I, I love it, man. What, what we told you this is going to be one of the game of the weeks, and that, that just shows you when the line's at freaking one point, and who knows, that thing could switch the other way here in a few days. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, you ready to go around the league, buddy? We got quite a bit of news to jump to. Yeah, I love it, man. Let's get to it. 
Now let's go now around let's the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! All right, before we start with the team, kind of teased it there uh, in the intro, but the SEC has kind of come out and said, we are going to allow each school to determine fan attendance. So it's not necessarily going to be uniform across the board. Now, of course, these schools are going to have to conform to you know local laws and regulations and all that. But as soon as the SEC came out and said that, we had a couple teams announce. The SEC also said anyone that comes in the stadium, you got to wear a mask at all times. Uh, but uh, Alabama has come out and said we're going to limit it to 20,000 fans for home games. Tennessee one-upped them right away, said 25,000. <laughs> <laughs> and then Texas A&M turned around and said, to hell with that, we're going 30,000. So those are the first three that I saw. There's probably a couple more out there. But, uh, you know, hey, that's a – I was on zero, you know, last episode. So you give me 20, 25, 30,000, I'll take it. And hopefully there's a lot more. You know, I I think there this is going to be a thing where they just kind of, you know, they have to look at the numbers and and see what's going on and and you know of course they want the thing packed. So if yeah. they can get the a full house, they're going to take it. But are they saying when you when you said twenty twenty five these these initial numbers is mm-hmm. this like a like just for week one or is this you know like to my understanding yeah. it's they're saying that's the cap for the rest of the year right now. And I think they have to kind of, you know, they got to let these season ticket holders know something because the season's yeah. coming and people got all these tickets. So priorities got to go to the season ticket holders, I would assume. And, and yeah. then they'll kind of go their work, work their way down from there. But uh, that's my understanding is that's what they're setting with. And then, like yeah. I said, if things open back up and it's, and they get the, the all go, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they'd, they'd love to open it back up. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I, I'm happy that they, they're allowing fans, you know, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's just 25, I mean, it's, it's still, if you get them at the low, I mean, it's still going to be all right. We're still going to have some crowd noise. I think that's important, but, uh, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of more questions too. It's like, are we going to allow visitors or, you know what I'm saying? It, it's, is it just going to be season ticket holders or, are they going to do some sort of lottery kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like golf or something like that? You can put in an application, try to get some tickets because, hell, Mike, I'd like to get a little piece of this 2020 season. I, I'd love <laughs> – I mean, this is – this nothing like this has ever happened before. And, and 40 years from now, you know, we'll be like them – you remember when they had the Spanish flu? Well, you don't remember, but you've seen the pictures coming out when they had the Spanish <laughs> flu. <laughs> you know? And we, we, all laughed, we all laughed at the photo. That's going to be us here in about a month. <laughs> 
<laughs> telling our grandkids, you know, just, yeah, I got in there, man. I was one of the 20 that was picked, you know. <laughs> Wasn't hard to smug any alcohol, or smuggle any alcohol with those masks and shit they had us wear, you know. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, go around the league here. Let's first stop. Let's jump on down to old Rocky Top. All right, so we kind of uh, hit on this just briefly on our schedule reaction show, but big news out of the uh, the SEC: Cade Mays not currently eligible. His mm. waiver was denied. That's being appealed by Tennessee, and Jeremy Banks, the linebacker, back in action. I thought Jeremy Pruitt uh, here. We're going to jump to his comments in just a moment, but he talked about that decision and the process Jeremy Banks had to go through. And then uh, one other nugget here, we didn't include the clip, but uh, Balin Buchanan, who missed last season due to a, I think he's got some kind of like spine neck issue. He is going to miss this upcoming year as well. They're kind of taking precautions with him. So uh, that's, you know, some potential depth missing from the Vols secondary. But uh, let's kick it over to Jeremy Pruitt talking about Jeremy Banks coming back to the team. And, of course, Jeremy Pruitt himself was a transfer, so he knows what it's like to be in Cade Bay's shoes right now. Uh, Jeremy Banks uh, practiced with us today. Um, Jeremy has done um, a fantastic job over the last nine months. Uh, He's really been an inspiration to me. Uh, You know, for 10 minutes uh, or or 20 minutes last year, um, the 20 minutes Jeremy would love to have back. Um, you know, when we removed him from the football team and, um, and he didn't want to leave. Uh, he told me, he said, coach, he goes, uh, I came to Tennessee, um, to get a degree. Uh, I've embarrassed myself, my family. Uh, and the only way that I can get that back is staying here. Uh, and that's something that I would like to do. And we put a plan in place, uh, and, and he's followed everything. Um, that we've asked him to do. Uh, I'm proud of him uh, where he's at, making A's and B's, um, and really getting involved in the community. Uh, so we're excited that he's back and looking forward to him getting a second chance. Coach, have you got any kind of update on uh, Cade Mays? And, uh, you know, if not, then, you know, is, is that frustrating knowing that, you know, you're here you are into fall camp and still haven't heard anything? So we, we do have an update with Cade. Uh, we obviously applied for, uh, you know, a waiver uh, for initial eligibility here, and um, it was denied. Uh, we're in the process of appealing that. Um, for me, it is frustrating. Um, and it's frustrating for, to me for Cade. Um, you know, just looking at it, you know, for his sake, a guy that um, – you know, to me, I, I think he was a really good player uh, at Georgia. And, and um, I don't know how he did there, but I, I know playing against him, I thought he was one of the better players in, in the league. I thought he played the right way. Um, you know, the circumstances surrounding him and his family, uh, something that he had no control over. Um, you know, and when you, when you look at a young man – uh, you know, once he transfers, uh, you know, going through the process of, of how is he going to be eligible, um, you know, it, there's a lot that goes into that. You know, he's sitting there uh, with this 
this case looming? Uh, you know, does does that affect where he's at on the depth chart? Does that affect anything that goes on around him? Um, you know, it's an unusual circumstance, and uh, you know, you got you you guys know me. You know, I'm a transfer myself, uh, and and I think back to when I transferred. There was a period of about ten weeks that I didn't know whether or not I was going to be eligible, um, and I thought about those ten weeks. Um, when we got this, um, denial, uh, you know, and it's, it's, there's a lot of uncertainty there. Um, and I hate it for him. I hate it for every young man and women out there that want to transfer. You know, I'm in favor of the one-time transfer. Um, I think it, I just, my question is, is why should we stand in the way of, of, of a young man or woman trying to figure out where the right place for them is. Um, and right now that's not the rule. Uh, I hope that it uh, eventually that will be the rule. I know everybody that has transferred from our place, I have written a, and a, a letter uh, for a recommendation of them to the NCA that, that requested that they be approved uh, immediate eligibility. So uh, yeah, it, I know it's frustrating for Cade and it's frustrating for our team. All right, Shane. So, you know, I think this is kind of the progression you see from a guy from his first year as a head coach to now going into year three. You know, it seems like he really has his pulse on, you know, his players and and giving them leeway to come back and and just trying to, you know, convey his message, I think, a lot Mm -hmm. stronger. I mean, he could come out here yelling and screaming about how – Kate Bays needs his eligibility for X, Y, and Z reasons, but I don't think that comes off quite as well as saying, hey, I allow anyone that leaves here to go wherever they want. I've been a transfer, and you know that we need to get rid of these these rules because it's just hurting these kids. I agree, man. I I, I totally agree. And I'm 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 on the free Cade Mays train. You know what I'm saying? I'm I, I just looking around the nation. Uh, of all the people that did get cleared for waivers this season, it blows my mind that you've got a kid that, uh, you know, pretty much had to leave. I'm not saying that he, that he, I don't know. Say what you want. I wasn't behind the scenes. I don't know what happened in Athens, you know, but there, the rumor was that it was that he had to go, you know, that he needed to go or Mm -hmm. something like that. You know, it was just, his dad and all that stuff, whatever. That's a, that's a whole other podcast. That's what the off season's for. We should have talked about it then, but <laughs> you know, he's not a quarterback, you know, so he didn't get cleared. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's just kind of the message you're seeing across the country. And you got a lot of, a lot of powerful people tweeting about this. And I don't know if that's going to make any impact, but I've also heard it had something to do with the paperwork or something along those lines. Do you, how often do players win this appeal? Well, the good news for Tennessee is they just had this with uh, a basketball player last season where mm-hmm. a guy tried to get his waiver, didn't get it, so they appealed it, and it, it took half the damn season, but they did get him eligible, so at least Tennessee's wow. got some experience with it. But I'm still trying to wrap my head around the, the NCAA logic about, you know, we're in a pandemic, guys coming home, and like you said – we're letting all these quarterbacks eligible immediately. It doesn't matter the reason. And then yeah. here we're bitching about a guard. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, f- it's almost like they felt like 
well, who in the hell will care if, you know, if we deny, deny this kid? Yeah. And there will be no stink about it. And now, like you said, there's people raising hell about it. And the NCAA, you know, they may, they're made to look foolish all the time. But I think it's only when you draw attention to it do they kind of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. make a correction. So I, I say just keep the pressure on them. Yeah, keep it on. Keep tweeting it. I'm going to do it. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it may happen. It may not. But I don't know. He, he's putting the work in. And it wasn't just players, man. I'm talking like some big – there's some big players that are big people out there, you know, that were bringing this message out. So mm-hmm. whatever. I You know, I don't know, Mike. Yeah, I, I'm all about letting the kids go and play elsewhere. Like if, if you're not making it at a team, you know, I, I – I look at kids like Joey, you know, Gatewood. Some there's another one. Has he been cleared yet? No, not yet. Boom! I just cleared him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The kid's not in Auburn. He wants to play football. Let, let him play. You know what I'm saying? Especially 2020. I mean, this is just, you know we're we're not playing by the script this season. But <laughs> apparently, the somebody just decided to 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 deny it, and that's what it is. And hopefully, the appeals will will work. But if not, I'm I'm just going to keep. Comp- Complaining about it, yeah. And then the other addition, you know, what Pruitt was talking about here, Jeremy Banks back. I think that's big because Tennessee, and I don't know, yeah. if there's a lot of certainty at that linebacker position outside of Henry T. So, not saying Jeremy Banks is going to walk back and be a day one starter, but he's going to play and he's going to play special teams. And yeah. who knows, they might need him as a physical running back. You know, I mean, they mm-hmm. they have Crouch that kind of goes both ways too. So, I think they would give it to crouch more than they would banks because we've seen banks and his fumbling issues, but I hate to compare him to Juwan Jennings, you know, for everything that he became, but hell, he might be the next one in the making, you know? Yeah. And I really like the comments on him, you know, and it felt a little Saban esque, you know, when he was talking, this is, this is a, a guy that was a player that's, you know, been around troubled youth and, you know, and, and say what you want, you know, even when I was in high school, there was kids that weren't on the right path. But when they got together, you know, it was a family. And, you know, some of these kids don't have families and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that about banks, but I just kind of like that attitude, mm-hmm. you know, that I, that that some of the you know, it's a father figure. You know, uh, they may have a, a dad at home, but they they may need a dad on campus, too. You know, and that's just kind of what. Uh, what he came across and and banks uh, say what you want the kids uh, i've seen him uh, i follow him on twitter you know i see him all the time he's 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 doing everything he can to get back in good graces and i'm just glad that uh that they are giving him another opportunity well speaking of nick saban let's jump on down to tuscaloosa roll tide where my god shane nick saban who's who is this nick saban (laughs) we're in training camp this is uh when saban gets laser focused you know he's usually Coming out uh-huh. to these media sessions, he's got a uh, a message usually that he wants to get to his team, and he does it by berating these damn Alabama media members. And then here, one of the media members suggested Saban's getting old. Yeah, <laughs> and old Saban, oh, he laughed it off. Let's uh, let's cut to Nick Saban here on being so damn old he's going to get Corona. <laughs> Yeah, Nick, uh, I know there's a lot of talk because about the, the players and their health, but I just wondering about you, what's your approach to the health protocols as someone who's in maybe in a uh, an age range to maybe more at risk than some of the players? So you calling me an old, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> more so than the players, maybe. 
Look, you know, we have a lot of respect for um, what we need to do uh, with everybody in our organization in terms of what we got to do to stay safe. I mean, we all wear masks in the building. I just took mine off to come in here because it was so hot outside. Um, I wear one that's around your neck and you pull up like you're robbing a bank, whatever they're called. Man, I, I'm loving this. So anytime <laughs> Papa Saban can, you know, give us a little teaching lesson here. But I, more than anything, I was just shocked that the guy's here laughing it off here and we're in training camp. Oh, do you know them? Every one of them reporters were looking at each other like, what do we do now? You know, <laughs> it's like, they're just, they just thought that guy was going to get it. But I, I love, I love this. Uh, Nick came out, you know, made a joke out of it. Hell, he's, he's healthier than most 40 year olds. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, uh, Nick Saban's got plenty of years to go, but I just thought it was kind of funny that somebody called him out <laughs> on his age. Oh, and he didn't decapitate him. Stop me if, if you disagree here, but what that tells me, I think Nick Saban is very, very comfortable with the team he's got heading into training camp. You know, there's there's uncertainty all over, yeah. not just his team, but all college teams at this point of the year. But I think he's very happy with the group he's got coming back. And he kind of gets into that here because obviously, you know, we've been – um, hitting at the fact that the defense has not been what it has been since Jeremy Pruitt left us two seasons now. They need to get that thing fixed. So he talks about how they're going to get that defense fixed. And then kind of the most important takeaway, I thought, was just how many players he says kind of, you know, they want to know about the college football playoff. And I think in years past, you know, our, this Nick Saban, it doesn't matter if they were playing, you know, Louisville or Duke or whoever. When's the last time you heard Nick Saban talk about the college football playoff in the preseason? Now we're going in an all-SEC schedule where any team on this list, I don't care if you're Alabama or not, any team on this list can get you if, you, you know, if you're not prepared and, and the other team has a really good game. And here is Nick Saban talking about his players. and They're, got, they're focused on the college football playoff. If you are able to have a college football season this year, how do you think the college football playoff should change, if at all, to determine a national championship in a year that's so unpredictable and, and strange? Well, you know, obviously that's a hypothetical question, but in my opinion, um, there's going to be three conferences playing. I think the players look forward to the playoffs. Uh, I think the players that play should have an opportunity to have a playoff and have a championship uh, for, the, for the teams that are playing. Um, that's my opinion. I'm sure there's a lot of people that may or may not agree with that. But if we're fortunate enough to be able to manage this with player safety being the number one concern for all of us um, and that we can go through a season and we can figure out who the best teams are, I think there'll be a lot of interest uh, to see those teams play. Uh, and I know the players would certainly look forward you know, to playing. That's one of the biggest questions our players ask us. Coach, if we play, will we be able to play in a playoff? We want to have a chance to play in a championship if we have a good season. So um, that, that's where I sort of formulate my opinion from is what our players think. What's the one area of the defense you want to see improve this year, and what role maybe does, does Dylan Moses play in that? Well, I think we need to improve overall on defense. I mean, you know, we gave up 18.5 points a game last year, which is the most we've given up. The last two years, we've given up the most points 
we have for a long time. And, um, you know, I, I think we need um, better leadership. Um, I think Dylan Moses can provide some of that. Uh, I think we have to play better against the run. Uh, I don't think we played very well in the red area last year. Uh, we did a great job of getting turnovers. We got 28, you know, turnovers last year, which was first in the conference. Um, but, you know, we, we, we just have to get more physical at the line of scrimmage. I think the big challenge for this team because of the four starters we lost in the secondary out of five guys is to get that rebuilt um, with some good players who lack experience. Um, but they are, they are good players and we have confidence in them. So, uh, but that's going to be a key to the drill, especially, you know, the fact that they we didn't have spring practice and we weren't able to work with these guys as much as we usually are. Uh, but uh, I, I really think, you know, a lot of these Zoom things that we did in the offseason and the meetings that we had really helped players conceptually understand the defense and what they were supposed to do. Maybe not so much how they were supposed to do it, uh, but why it's important to do it that way and what they were supposed to do. I think there was a lot of benefit to a lot of that. All right, Shane. So, I mean, just based on everything I heard from Nick Saban here in his first presser of the uh, training camp, if I'm an Alabama fan, I'm feeling great about these comments and just the team that Nick Saban's got coming back. It seems like he's expecting a huge season. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, man. And, you know, I, I already planting seeds, you know, I don't I don't think any of the kids are asking about playoffs right now. Nick Saban's asking about playoffs because he knows exactly what he has on that roster right now. And let me ask you, and this is going to be kind of a theme that that moves throughout 2020. Mm-hmm. How who do you think has the deepest team right now in the SEC? Probably Georgia, but not uh-huh. far behind them. It's going to be Alabama. Yeah, and that's and that's I don't know if it if maybe that's it because I mean they're doing all the steps you know and that's all that's great I think that's fantastic they're they're doing a great job keeping uh keeping everybody safe but you know this is going to be a a, a a strenuous season because uh, mm-hmm. because you're not just playing eight SEC games you're playing ten now you know you're this is going to take a lot out of these players and I think. It's going to come down sometimes to who's the deepest team. And I think Alabama, I think Nick Saban knows what he has. And it's not – I mean, there's – obviously he he demands perfection, and that's something he talks about with the secondary there. But, you know, I think Alabama, I think he, he I think he, he knows exactly what he wants, and he's already planting the seed for, for the championship, man. And that just – that says a lot, man. Nick Saban never talks about – championships you know and he's already talking about we even played one game yeah and i mean one thing you didn't mention there the the obvious you know um elephant in the room when it comes to depth and all this is coronavirus Mm -hmm. you know if you if you you lose a couple guys or you know a key player opts out here or there it's not going to kill alabama or georgia if Mm -hmm. we're seeing guys at vanderbilt opt out that may kill them you know what i mean so yeah and, and that may be the situation at a number of schools if it's a key player too and it's not to judge those players but you know we got to react to what happens and yeah it's going to be the deepest hungriest teams that survive and uh-huh. alabama sounds like a hungry team we know they're a deep team and it's pretty stupid to question nick saban even though i, <laughs> I do it all the time <laughs> i bet i bet he hates masks you know you ever think about that I bet, like, out of all the coaches, Nick is the one that hates them the most. 
Yeah, I mean, because he, he, he is older. He's lived through a lot. It's probably the first time he's ever had to wear those damn things. You know, and he's, he's probably left it on the visor a few times. He's going inside the grocery store, and it's like, hey, sir, you, you forgot your mask. I bet he cusses all the way out to his truck as he gets it, and he goes back in. Then ma- I think you're wrong. I just thought of it, though. Yeah. He might be number two, but number one on the list, Mike Leach. Because he's he's always got it hanging <laughs> off his nose. He's yeah, trying to pull okay. him off, keep it. Yeah. It's got to be That's Mike right. Leach. Got to be number one for me. He's number one. Okay, we'll save his close second. All right, let's uh, jump on down next to Athens. World Kirby Smart met with the media here recently, and like I said, some of these training camp pressers not that interesting. They kind of run down the roster and who's there, who's not, who's opted out, and who's hurt, and all this. But uh, he did say that JT Daniels still not a hundred percent cleared. So, and he said that uh, Jamie Newman was actually missed about half their, you know, their OTAs period, whatever you want to call it. So that's interesting, but I think with JT Daniels not cleared yet, I mean, it's got to, you know, I was kind of going back and forth on those quarterbacks, but I think it's going to be Jamie Newman. That's going to have the job at this point. If uh, yeah. JT Daniels isn't even cleared, so that's kind of important to note. But uh, the, I thought the, the key thing that Kirby discussed here during his time was the fact that uh, he said he never interferes with the offensive play calling because we hear that around the SEC. A lot of, a lot yeah. of these coaches do interfere with it. So uh, let's jump to Kirby Smart talking about that. We want to get the best football players we can on the field. Uh, we want to be able to score points. We think it takes that to win games. And that's never been any issue with me. I, I've never got on the offense coordinator's headphones and said, please run the ball right here. Please run the ball right here. That's never been the case. Unfortunately, I think some people might believe that, but that's, that's not – my goal is to score points. And I've never said, please don't score more points. Please don't score. I've never, I've never done that. So we're going to do all we can to score points. All right, Shane. So, I mean, it makes sense what he's saying here. And he's obviously not much of an offensive guy. He's a defensive back. He's – defensive back coach most of his career do you believe Kirby when he says uh he's never telling him what to run on offense no (laughs) (laughs) no no I don't at all because Kirby is a defensive mind coach and and, you know these defensive mind coaches they they hate the the these fast up-tempo offenses you know that potentially could go three and out in two minutes you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. and then there's your then there's your defense back out there on the field so no I, I i think that and of course a lot of coaches like those long sustaining drives and that was something georgia was able to do with just about everybody last year so why change it you know it it came up and i mean obviously it bit him you know especially against lsu but you know that's it, i think i think it was eye-opening obviously that they went out there they got an offense coordinator to switch things up but i think there was times last year that kirby was content with just running the ball mm-hmm. yeah definitely and uh that kentucky game is one that yeah. uh, stands out to me because kentucky could do almost nothing on them on on offense so yeah i'm not sure i'm totally buying this but i think that's probably was a condition for getting a guy like todd bunkin you know let me let me work with this offense and and we'll win a championship here at Georgia. But I mean, he's still going to have a say at the end of the day, if you know, when decisions are are needed to be made. So JT hasn't been cleared either. Uh, Well, he's, he's been given a waiver, but he's, his knee is still like, he's not able to fully go. 
He's not physically cleared. I got you. I got you. So quarterback cleared for Georgia. Lyman leaving Georgia, not cleared. <laughs> got it. Okay. I'm just writing this down, Mike, you know? <laughs> All right. Last thing from Kirby. This was pretty great, but uh, he was on 680 The Fan here recently, and he was talking about the fact that – or he was asked about, you know, going to Alabama, traveling down to Bryant-Denny, and the possibility that there's going to be not a sold-out crowd and – Certainly sounds like that's going to be the case, at least early in the season. And old Kirby, he brought the jokes here, didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> going to Alabama at some point, hopefully you play that game. Is How do you feel thinking there's only going to be maybe fifteen or 20,000 in the crowd? What does that make you feel like? Because you've been <laughs> in that place and you know that thing can come off the hinges. What's your thoughts on going there and maybe only having fifteen or 20,000? Well, I know this. They still have a stereo system. They'll find a way to crank noise in there. I'm sure everybody in the SEC, you, you'll probably still have to have earmuffs without the crowd just because of the sound system. So the whole team's going to find a way to make it an advantage. I can promise you that. No question. All right, Shade. So I didn't even think about this, but, yeah, I mean, these PA systems, are they're going to be blasted towards a, to 11, aren't they? Absolutely. I we're gonna we're gonna hear some jams, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? These these twenty thousand fans, this is gonna be the loudest twenty thousand fans you've ever heard. They may have microphones over there. <laughs> There's gotta be Starkville, you know, they're gonna be putting the damn cowbells through the, the PA, don't you think? Absolutely. It's gonna be cowbell. It may be it may be even louder. <laughs> <laughs> and you just spent all this money all these universities spent all this money on lights and who knows they should have they should have upgraded the sound system mike all right let's jump on down next to fayetteville Woo pig. where sam Pittman, you know believe it or not we, we they lost the entire spring so this first practice was his first practice as arkansas head coach so i mean that's pretty wild to think about but and then here in a month they got georgia coming to town so they got to get this thing up to speed quickly. And Sam Pittman was asked about the offense and, you know, obviously all the quarterbacks that have played during the, the Chad Morris era and just not having a that chemistry built in with the receivers. So he was asked about uh, Felipe Franks and his chemistry with these receivers. I thought it was pretty funny what he had to say here. And then, you know, I just really wanted to make sure that Razorback fans heard this last clip because Sam Pittman, you know, asked about his first practice there as the Arkansas coach. And here at the tail end of the clip, I think you can really get a sense just what this means to Sam Pittman to be head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Hey, Coach. Um, I'm not sure if this is better suited for you or Coach Bryles, but I was just wondering what Felipe's relationship has been like with the wide receivers that you've noticed, because the wide receivers are a core that's gone through eight different quarterbacks over the last two seasons. There hasn't been a lot of consistency there. You're, you're probably right. It's probably Coach Bryles can – he can probably answer that better than me. But from what I see, uh, the relationship's really good between the wideouts and Felipe. And matter of fact – all the quarterbacks, but uh, you brought up a valid point. You know, we'll try not to play six or seven this year if we can stay away from it. Uh, Sam, just as far as finally getting a practice in, how did that feel like for you today after all this time where you were actually out of practice with the team? It was, it was awesome. I mean, uh, I'll get better every day. Um, you know, I, I, I have to learn. Uh, as a head coach of of uh, how to run a practice exactly like I want. 
Um, I thought it went well today, but there's some things that I wrote down that I'd like to change or not necessarily change, but we had a six play rack of inside run and I think it's too many. So we're going to change it to four uh, tomorrow or on Wednesday. So just some things that I thought might be the best for our football team that I don't now, but as far as being the head coach at Arkansas and going out there to a practice, it was everything I thought it would be. And who made that happen is our assistant coaches and our team. I mean, they worked and we just keep preaching. We're a blue collar team with Arkansas Razorbacks and let's go play hard, play tough and play smart. And they did that today. I was proud of them and I was really honored to be out there with them. All right, Shane. So I think even the most realistic fans, you know, while they're optimistic, we got the hell of a coach now, a motivator and recruiter, and he's went out and hired, I think, the best first-year staff of any SEC staff out there. Mm -hmm. Still probably going to take a little while. You know, Arkansas fans aren't saying we need to win the damn West this year, (laughs) but I think what they're going to want to see is their team compete and play tough not yeah. beat themselves, not self-destruct. Now, of course, we don't have these cupcakes to see how they would fare against those <laughs> those teams. But, um, you know, I just think you get a sense of, of where this program's going just based on what Sam Pittman had to say here. It, it part of me, Mike, loves this. I, I, I love the just – just how genuine he is, you know. He he loves he loves this opportunity. We know that. He he loves these players. When you see kids drafted and they're talking on the phone with him, you know, he he's he's in. He's a he's a great guy. But then there's part of me it's like you know, it, you you you're hearing him talk about, well, you know, I'm the head coach now. We you know, the practice didn't go exactly like like I thought it would, you know what I'm saying? This is, you gotta, you gotta remember, this is his first time, you know, doing something like this. And I know it's just, you know, this is first practice and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to discourage anything moving forward, but I, I, I like the fact that he's got some mentors on that field. I mean, he's got coach Odom there, you mm-hmm. know, he's, he's ran a program. I think it won't take long, but it just almost felt like this first practice was a little too big for him. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sure every head coach has gone through that. And it's just Sam's so transparent that he kind of let it out there. Uh, but I, I, I think they're going to be all right. But I just – I love the guy. I, I just – he's, you know, he's, he's he's realizing real quick that this is a big operation and uh, and it's it, he's, he's the man in charge. So if this doesn't work, you know, they, they are going to be pointing at him. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And, you know, that's the the real cruelty of – you know, these first-year coaches outside of Sam Pittman, they've already ran a program. Yeah. You know, they know what it's like. This is what Sam Pittman was supposed to be going through during the spring. And, you know, obviously that opportunity was taken away from him. So that's kind of why we talk about, you know, this being so brutal on these first-year coaches. So, right. But thankfully, there's they got like 39 more days to get this thing worked <laughs> out. They got yeah. 24 more practices in, in that span. So... Um, it, it is kind of interesting that he did say that, and he's adjusting. He's going to have to adjust. Well, I like that better than well, than a guy that that d- didn't pick up on it and says, "Well, let's just keep doing it because because my way is the 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 only way to do it." You know? No, that's true. And and you know, the more I think about it, 
it may be just that he hasn't learned coach speak yet. You know, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's been offensive line coach. Not, I'm sure he's not had that many microphones in his face. You know what I'm saying? A little different than a head coach. I don't know if Pittman's got any coach speak in him because no. man, remember his introductory press conference. That was my favorite moment when he was talking about the barbecue he ate on recruiting trips and he's pointing at people. He's like, just like you make, <laughs> just like you. Make. I, was like, I was like, who is this guy? This guy's awesome. But uh, yeah, I don't know if he's got much coach speak in him. No, not yet. He will though. He'll, he'll harden up real quick. <laughs> All right, let's jump on down to Columbia, South Carolina, where Will Muschamp did meet with the media, but I didn't find anything he, he said to be too interesting. But I did find a clip from Ryan Holinsky, returning quarterback and you know, we've kind of gone back and forth. I know you're big on, you know, if South Carolina's going to do what fans want them to do. It's got to be Halinski and, and his, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago. He was number four, I think, overall quarterback in the nation, top like 50 player overall. And they got in this Colorado State graduate transfer, Colin Hill. There's a lot of buzz that he's going to be the starter. But, you know, halinsky has got the entire camp to win this job. And based on what he, the young player had to say, you know, I think it's easier, obviously, to just, you know, talk about improvement. You really got to go out there and do it. But I don't know. This guy just seems very mature for his age. Remember, he's just a true sophomore and working in a new system that he says is very complex and it's got to be run to perfection. So I think mm-hmm. South Carolina fans will appreciate these comments. And then I know Cousin Shane's going to like the second half here because he's talking about Marshawn Lloyd. And just <laughs> how impressive the true freshman running back's been just after just a little bit of camp here. Yeah, you, know, you kind of touched on it, but but what did you focus on over the summer, over the last couple of months to get better? Yes, um, we got a new offense coming in, of course. You got to understand the playbook in and out. Requires a lot of the quarterback. Um, and if you don't know it, you're not going to play. So, you know, I've been, I've been studying the playbook as much as I can, mastering it, you know, because you got to go out with their confidence. Because if you don't go out there with confidence, other guys won't have confidence in you. And footwork, footwork is a lot big thing that I want to work on, too. Um, you know, a lot of stuff that happened last year was because of my footwork. A lot of bad plays, you know, I still think of. So I never want that to happen again. So I've been improving my footwork. Um, and that goes along with knowing the playbook and knowing drops, knowing footwork, knowing steps on runs and stuff like that. So those two things. Obviously, Mike Bobo, new offensive coordinator. Just talk a little mm-hmm. bit about what he brings that's a little different. Yeah, um, he, he requires a lot of you. He requires near perfection um, because if you're not at – perfection you're, you're the whole offense is messed up you know you you mess up one thing you know here or there um it, it's it's wrong so he demands perfection uh and he's a really you know good guy off the field he what talks to you about devotionals he talks to you about a lot of good stuff you know talks to you about ask about your family you know but when it comes to football time we're full go we're fully invested um he requires the most of us and and i love his on the field coaching you know he gets fired up a lot um which is good for us for sure um, you've had a chance now maybe to reflect a little bit on last season, watch a lot of film and stuff, kind of assess your performance and, and what you mm-hmm. thought of, of being a freshman quarterback in the SEC. Yeah, um, whether I'm a freshman or, you know, a senior, I, I want to win every game. You know, that's my expectation, of course. Um, and, you know, watching some of the film with Coach Bobo, um, it's, some of it's hard to watch because I, I know I could have done better on some of the plays. I know I could have made a better throw. I know I could have made a better progression. I know I could have scrambled on some plays. Um, you know, I, I do love the plays that were great. You know, those those are good things to improve upon, and you got to acknowledge those. Um, but I'd rather look at, you know, a lot of the bad stuff that, you know, I can improve upon. Um, but I think, you know, once we improve upon those little things, you know, after watching that film and what we're doing, uh, it's going to be a way better season this year, and we're excited. 
Uh, over the summer, you've had a chance, obviously, to work out with some guys. Anybody stand out? Anybody that you know, kind mm -hmm. of surprised you? Maybe make a leap forward? Yeah, um, Rico Powers has been uh, one of those guys that has been really good for us. You know, he came in, um, and before he even came in, he was texting me. I mean, I can't tell you how many times he DM'd me asking for playbook installs, um, stuff he can get started on before he even got here. And then he gets here, um, and he just keeps getting better every single day, <clears throat> which is really cool. Marshawn Lloyd's another guy, you know, that just keeps getting better. Some of the runs I see today, you know, I'll hand it off, I'll turn around, it's supposed to hit to the left, he might bounce it back all the way to the right, and there's nobody there, and it's just like, can somebody do that? But. Um, those two guys have been really good for us. Nick Muse is coming back with his knee, um, which is really good to see. Josh Van is finally, you know, coming back to full go. Um, he's been really good, improving, improving, improving. Shy Smith, of course, and uh, Karen Joyner is going to be really good for us. He's been moving a lot. You know, he's been doing what he can do for the team, um, and he's doing it at the highest level right now. So all those guys have been really good, and we got a bunch of other guys coming with him. All right, Shane. So I got to be honest. The more I think about it, you know, something you said on a a couple of weeks ago here about South Carolina, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head because South Carolina is not as far away, I don't think, as their record showed last year. Mm -hmm. But they still got issues with basically a whole new running back room. They've yep. got questions at receiver. They've got some talent, but not a ton of proven playmakers and tight end position. They've got a, They've got a good tight end, but he's been banged up. So if South Carolina is really going to take a step forward on offense, I think it's got to be Helinski living up to that hype. And I'm not, I'm trying not to buy in too much to one interview here, but I'm liking what I'm hearing from Ryan Helinski, I guess is what I'm trying to say. No, absolutely. And see, I didn't, ha I didn't know who this was at first. I'm listening. I'm like, I thought it was Bo Nix for a second. You know, it's like, <laughs> boy, he sounds like he's really got his stuff together. And then I, and then it dawned on me that it was Helinski clip. And, uh, you're right, man. I, I think that uh, this is what I want to hear coming from my starting quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That that I don't know. It's just I, I could already feel a little bit of that energy, a little bit of that, you know, the world's against South Carolina. You know what I'm saying? And there's names on this roster that you don't know yet, but you will. Week three, you're going to know exactly who Marshawn Lloyd is. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I just, I, I like that. I just, now as a Tennessee fan, Mike, I hope they figure it out week two, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just, I, I think out of the gates, here you got a, a quarterback room that's really pushing each other. You know, you've, yeah, that, and that's amazing, man. The fact that you've got three quarterbacks in there and you don't know who's the starter just yet, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that, that makes the talent better. But, you know, at some point, you know, I expect Mike to say, you know, all right, uh, Holinsky, you're the guy or, you know, uh, whoever he decides and, and start giving them them, them one reps, because like you said, it's, it's, 30 days, 30, what, 39 days from now, mm -hmm. you know, every practice is valuable. Every snap is, is, is liquid gold, Mike, you know, you can't afford to go too long with a quarterback controversy, but, uh, if, if Helensky's the guy, and I think he is, man, I, I really do. I think he, a lot of people gave him a, you know, a bad rap last year, but I really think a lot of that had to do with injuries and, uh, he, he's healthy, he's zipping the ball out there. I, I think, I think good things are going to come from South Carolina, and I think it's all going to start with the arm of Helensky. All right, well, let's jump on down to uh, Baton Rouge next, where Go Coach O met with the media. And, you know, obviously LSU coming off probably the greatest individual season in college football history. 
And if you think that climb was tough, <laughs> I think it's even more difficult to stay at the top. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the legend of Nick Saban because he's been damn doing it for a decade and yeah. no one else. I mean, hell, Urban Meyer can do it for two or three years and he fakes a heart attack or <laughs> who knows whatever <laughs> the hell happened at Ohio State. But <laughs> Pete Carroll, same thing. Uh, Butch Davis at Miami. I mean, it's incredibly difficult to stay at that peak. Yeah. But Ed Orgeron, he's been a part of a number of national championship teams. He was saying it around this time last year. He said he had the team that could do it. Yeah. Few believed him. They believe they obviously believed in that locker room, but very few outside of it believed it. And he was dead on. So, you know, he got two really good questions here during his press conference on, you know, what have you learned during your time on you know, how to stay there, how to keep your message fresh to the players, how to, uh, you know, just motivate a year after such an achievement. And then something I hear, I hope we get to talk about all season long, Derek Stingley, Jamar Chase going head to head in practice. I cannot imagine how badly NFL scouts want to be in there just watching (laughs) these two go at it day in and day out, because it's probably the best receiver and best defensive back in the entire nation, their teammates, they're going to go head to head every, every day. And uh, coach O just kind of talks about how big that is. From all the previous national championship teams you've been on in other places, what can you take from those for what happened the year after the year after approach from uh, those places you've been at? That's one. And secondly, how do you stay consistent with your message without being, I guess, guys tuning you out. They've heard this before. They've heard the one team went hard. They've heard how do you do it? You know, keep it fresh? Yeah, well, you bring up two good points there. First of all, Bobby April is an analyst for us, and Bobby did a study uh, of teams that won championships and the year after. And he went and interviewed some of the players and asked them, say, hey, what's some of the things that you think the coaches did well? What's some of the things that you think that the coaches didn't do well? And one of the most common mistakes is to mention last year's team and compare this year's team to them all the time. So we don't do that, but we do mention leadership. We mentioned LSU standard of performance. Uh, yesterday, I purposely made the first practice very tough to make sure that we were doing the little things right. And I think that's how I got my message that, you know, it's not going to be just going to win a championship last year. It doesn't mean we're going to win it again this year. It's through the process and through hard work. So, those are some of the things that, that uh, I think that I have implemented. Uh, I looked at Pete Carroll. And nothing about him. He didn't say anything. <laughs> he just kept on coaching the way he knew how to coach, and it worked. You know, I think that when you have great players and you have great coaches and you stick to the plan, it's going to work. Uh, yesterday, Derek Stingle on his Instagram page showed a lot of film of him beating up on Jamar Chase. Well, then last night when y'all sent out your LSU feed, you had Jamar Chase getting the better of Derek Stingley. I know you've talked to the guys at Off the Bench about this a lot, that, that back and forth. Um, how fun is it to not only watch him on the field, but then to go watch the film at nighttime and watch these future first-round picks going at it like crazy every day? Hey, it's everything that we sell in recruiting. Iron sharpens iron. You know, you look at it, two potential, two of the best players in the country. And every day, but, but, you know, they're very similar 
in uh, their personalities. They're very humble. They're very hungry. You know, they don't want to talk about themselves. They just want to compete, man. And the things that you saw in film are right. You know, yesterday, one guy's going to win. Today, the next guy's going to win. And they know it's on. So, but I do show it to the team, and I use it as an example. Iron sharpens iron, and this is how you prepare to play. All right, Shane. So, Coach O, I mean, he sounds pretty fired up. And, you know, we can't we're, – we're hyping up Alabama. And uh-huh. I've been hyping up Texas A&M all offseason. Don't forget about LSU there, buddy. <laughs> iron sharpens iron, Mike. You know <laughs> – Hey, you know, one second. Let me uh, let me pause for a second, Mark. We got a we got the lane train coming through. <laughs> you know, that's, that's that's a good point, Mark. I'm telling you, any given Saturday, that's that's been my theme. You know, the last few weeks, uh, when you're playing just SEC games, who who? Why can't it be? You know, uh, sometimes. I, it wouldn't blow my mind if LSU was the was the SEC West champ again. It mm-hmm. really wouldn't because they've got plenty of talent. And uh, I hate to go back to to Nick Saban, but kind of there was an interview I saw f- from him a long time ago with Charles Barkley, and I, I've I've referenced it before. But uh, you know, he made some interesting comments. He goes, you know, when you're when you're when you're a champion a national champion, something along those lines. And I'm paraphrasing here. He says, it's like, it's like a mountain that you never get to the top of. He goes, for those that just think they've made it, you know, those are the ones that get knocked off. You know, the reason that Saban's so good is because he's climbing a mountain that has no top. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's some beautiful lookout spots along the way, you know, maybe they win a ring or something like that. But he says, if you've, if you get complacent in this league, they will pass you up. So that's that's the big one for LSU. This is something – yeah, Coach O's been a part of that, but he's not been a head coach of that until this season. So if he keeps pushing forward, and I think he I think he will, you know, but keep these players grounded, uh, yeah, LSU could be the team that's, that's winning the, the SEC this year. Yeah, and they've got a lot of motivation there with – you know, they're never going to say anything bad about Joe Burrow. I mean, he was so outstanding. But, you know, I think there was some behind the scenes. They're a little upset that, you know, they weren't happy with the defense. I think they've improved the defense under yeah. Dave Aranda. And probably a little Steve Enzminger. probably, you know, he would never come out and say it. But probably a little bothered that Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator, got so much attention and, uh, yep. Now he's in the NFL, and who knows if, you know, if it was all Joe Burrow or not. So uh, there's a lot of motivating factors, not just on the roster, but in the coaching staff, and I think that might serve LSU really well this year. Yeah, I mean, Miles, for instance, you know, he barely lost this quarterback position to Joe to begin with. Now it's his turn, his opportunity to shine, you know. Uh, maybe it's one of these running backs that – you know, when it, you know, Clydesdale mm-hmm. was fantastic, but maybe they're sitting back there saying, "All I need is an opportunity." You know, I mean, you got to remember this this talent this roster is still very talented. It's young, it's inexperienced. They've lived in the shadow of some of these players that are now playing on Sunday, but they'll have their opportunity. And who do, who they got week one? Just curious. LSU. LSU they is got it? Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, if they come out and beat the brakes off Mississippi State, and I'll say that they will, but if they can do one of those LSU top score games that they had last season, 
everybody, the whole country at one time is going to say, oh, shit, LSU hasn't changed, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, next on the list, let's jump to uh, the other Columbia. M-I-Z! We've been holding off on these ones, but Eli Drakowitz, man, he's got something schemed up for Alabama. We're all wondering who's the quarterback going to be. Is it going to be Sean Robinson? Is it going to be Connor Balsniak, I think his name is, or Balsniak? (laughs) Surely it's not Balsniak. Sorry, sorry, brother. (laughs) Uh, Wait, is this the one he was talking about? The arms? No, just kidding. And he also talked about uh, all the trash talking he does, basically the only talking he does to the defense during practice. And I'll just break the news for y'all now. I ain't announcing it. So don't 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 worry about it. Week one, you know, that we ain't telling nobody. And everybody's going to have to guess, and it's going to be used as an advantage for us. So there you go. That's the announcement today. Natalie Jones, go ahead, Natalie. Didn't like that, did you, Gabe? But you know what? That's good stuff. Nope. The person who's going to play us first has no idea if they're going to scout Washington tape, UAB tape, TCU tape, App State tape, NC State tape. They don't know which quarterback to prepare for, whether they're going to watch uh, uh, high school tape from a kid. They don't know if they're going to watch the Arkansas game from last year, the Georgia game from last year, or TCU game from two years ago. I'm just creating a workload for somebody. So poor GAs and QCs. I address the team every day, uh, you know, communicate with the defensive staff, obviously throughout practice, you know, having great lines of communication with Coach Walters. And then during practice, usually the only communication I have with the defense is when I'm trash talking. All right. So, man, he's just a gift that keeps on giving you, isn't he, Shane? Yes. Yes, he is. And I, I, this is, this is great. This is exact. He's saying exactly what I would, that everybody's thinking. You know, I, I love it when these reporters get in there and they ask these questions and, and the coaches just dance around it. Eli just says, I'm not going to tell you, and this is why. <laughs> I love that, man. We're playing Alabama for crying out loud. I need every secret I can have. <laughs> yeah, and uh, poor Butch Jones, he's making him work overtime this weekend. <laughs> awesome you know what i bet nick saban makes him go to the truck to get the mask (laughs) (laughs) all right let's uh skip down to oxford next we're the lane train talking about uh you know again this was i'm getting a little bothered by you know these people doing their job i understand they gotta ask the questions but i gotta be honest with you shane you you know, you give the the viewers some insight into, you know, me rounding up these questions, but we're talking 30 minutes here and we got like 27 minute Corona questions. <laughs> and then someone says, Hey, can you tell me about the quarterback position? So that's pretty much all we got from Lane Kiffin, but he did talk about how the reps are kind of being split. And he, he was asked about a timeline for making the starting quarterback decision. And then he kind of gave a little bit of a hint on, uh, the players that he inherited at Old Miss. And this just seems to be like a constant theme with Coach Kiffin to where he it seems like he's really trying to hint that uh, it's going to be an uphill climb here for the Rebels. With some of your positions like quarterback, especially where there's kind of a lot of competition, a lot of battles, do you guys feel like you have to make a decision quicker in a kind of advanced, accelerated off-season training camp? 
you know, we don't ever put deadlines on those things, um, you know, because they answer themselves sometimes in a couple of days. They answer not till a couple of weeks into a season sometimes. So um, we don't put deadlines because I think you're forced to make a decision. Sometimes it's a wrong decision, especially having missed spring ball. So um, I would think they'd be a little bit later. I guess just in general on the quarterbacks, how are you kind of evaluating the snaps going into this week with between those guys? They split snaps today um, with the ones and twos, so um, very very even snaps to start. When you say they, was that Matt and John Rice? Yes. Yeah, Lane, what's your first impression? I know it's really early, but your first impression of the overall talent and depth now that you've gotten them on the field? I think probably what I said initially just from, you know, watching some TV copies or a few games from last year, you know, there's some, there's some good young talent, especially on offense. Um, you know, that class a year and two ago, especially a year ago, um, you know, has some, some really good, some really good potential, some potential of really good players. Um, you know, but we got a lot of depth issues, you know, um, so it usually happens when there's a, when there's a job change. So, um, there's a change for a reason. So, and that's become difficult to fix and, you know, the messed up recruiting cycle that's going on and everything and having an early signing period versus not so that when you did get hired, you know, in the old days, you know, you had until February to sign a class. So, um, you know, it's going to take some time and that's why you see us looking at every avenue and every country there is for players. All right, Shane. So, Lane Kiffin kind of going all in there on quarterback battle here. We, Kiffin's known as a quarterback whisperer of sorts. So uh, thoughts on what he had to say? No, I, I, I like it. I, I think that's exactly where we, where the quarterbacks we expected them to be. But I, I, I don't know. When Lane comes out and says he loves the offensive weapons that he has, that should make you feel good if you're an Ole Miss fan. You know, I mean, this guy's been around a lot of great talent. And what he's going to be able to work up with uh, with Ole Miss is, I don't know, kind of intriguing. And, and like I said, that's that's what I took from this thing is if, if Lane's excited about the offense, then I'm excited about the offense. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, just sitting here daydreaming about the Egg Bowl and how many <laughs> damn points might be scored in this thing this year where last year was a barn burner. That was a hell of a game, 21 to 20, but that might be the score at the end of the first quarter this year. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, next on the list, let's jump down to the Plains real quick. Get ready, Toomer's Corner. Auburn's coming to roll you. Final score, Auburn 48, Alabama 45. Again, Gus Malzahn asked about 20 minutes here about coronavirus and got one, one or two questions <laughs> about the football team here. So uh, he was asked, uh, you know, or he discussed kind of depth on the offensive line and then, I thought he was also because that's such a critical position for the Tigers this year, losing so many departing starters, and uh, they've got all the pieces around there. So if the if the offensive line is, holds up this year, Auburn could have a hell of an offense. Uh, but he was asked about that, and then kind of he made a, a comment here that kind of piqued my interest here because you've not heard a lot of coaches talk about it. But hell, he's trying to uh, develop depth in the coaching staff because who knows who's going to be. <laughs> there to coach the games from week to week you're exactly right uh you know normally we go into just offensive line for example you know if you got three tackles and three guards and two centers i mean you feel pretty good it's completely different now um 
you know, and we're, we're, we've got to get our threes ready. And so with that, strategically, the way we're going to set up practice these next five weeks are for more reps, and we're going to get creative. And there's going to be times that we're going to have two separate fields going, okay, just to evaluate our player, let them guys get more reps than they normally would, so we can evaluate them and and get them ready to play. And at the same time, uh, you know, you got to be thinking about the coaches too. If you have a coach go down, you've got to have two play callers. You've got to have an assistant for an assistant. So, you know, we'll be thinking about uh, all those things in fall camp and uh, just getting us prepared. And you know, it's all going to be about being flexible. I mean, uh, the teams that can overcome adversity. And, and be flexible, and, uh, you know, I think they're going to have a big advantage. All right, Shane. So, I mean, my goodness, we haven't even thought about this yet, <laughs> but uh, who knows? You might need a guy to step up into a coordinator role or head coach role, or, or who knows what. <laughs> Can you see? Oh, what if what if it's uh, – oh, what's his name? There Chad Morse. Oh, Chad Morse, man. Just <laughs> He's just waiting, waiting in the, in the shadows over there. For his second opportunity, you know? he's just, probably sneezing in Gus's coffee right now. Yeah, you know what? no, no, they're they're buddies, and he's just worried about the darn SEC West title, Mike. <laughs> you know, so uh, I, I I think I think it's smart. You know, it really is. Uh, you you got to be prepared for everything, and uh, that again. The thing I don't know about the coaching staff, just how, how you know, I'm sure that they'll they'll be able to figure something out. But you know, if you have coronavirus, man, they ain't gonna let you in that stadium. So I don't know. But can you zoom a coach game? <laughs> <laughs> Might see old Hugh Freeze up there in the uh, in the stretcher, you know, calling the game or whatever. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. So, I don't know, man. Uh, it is interesting. That's an interesting comment. But uh, I guess you just got to be – I mean, that's that's what we're dealing with, Mike. You just got to be prepared. All right, last up, stop uh, around the league here. Let's jump on down to College Station. Giga Maggots. We're old Jimbo. Uh, he had quite a bit to say on kind of like you were hitting at at the beginning of the show here. But, you know, young players are going to need to step up and play this year. Because we're in a 10-game SEC slate, I don't know how much redshirting they're going to be doing. And they're even talking about expanding the redshirt rule to where guys can play five games. Half the season. <laughs> and keep Yeah, keep that redshirt. So I'm hoping they do that because they may need more bodies out on the field. Excuse me, yeah. more bodies out on the field. So uh, Jimbo kind of talks about that. Uh, I loved his response when asked about playing Alabama week two. This is exactly what you want to hear you're a Texas A&M fan. And then uh, last thing here, you know, I think this is kind of something we all overlook. I, I don't think you and I do, but a lot of people around the nation, around the SEC, the line of scrimmage, Jimbo Fisher thinks this is going to be his best line of scrimmage to date there at Texas A&M. And that could be the difference between uh, winning and losing the SEC West. Hogs getting some loving, Mike. After the wonky offseason, all the COVID stuff, do you think it's going to be tougher for some of these young guys, especially the freshmen, to see the field in real game action with this kind of condensed camp, even though it's six weeks or five weeks? Well, I mean, I think it does for the guys that came early. I think it's uh, it's tough. I mean, it, it, you know, they could have made a much more improvement because we, we didn't get the practices in. But we did get a lot of walkthroughs and things. So I think from that standpoint, knowing what to do. But uh, – and we didn't get, but we got extra time to work with them in that regard. So there could be some positives out of that, especially for the guys who weren't early. 
they come in, they wouldn't have gotten as much with us as a staff as they did uh, in this offseason. But to say that, listen, they're going to have to. I really believe that. You're going to have to build your depth. You're going to have to have guys ready. You don't know when. As I said, one day you could be a third-teamer. Next day you could be a first-teamer. We don't know what's about to happen in the future. Hopefully nothing happens to anybody. And we play right down, you know, by what we have them listed. But, you know, keeping a rotation, developing players. And you know in this league, especially when you just added two more SEC games after your eight to ten, the physicality of this league, uh, you're going to have to have guys ready because guys are going to get bruised and banged, and you hopefully you can develop these guys where you can keep rotations and keep a lot of guys fresh and feel comfortable playing them. So, you know, you say that, but at the same time, you're going to have to count on them. You're going to have to get them ready as quick as you can. Do you like playing Alabama week two? Yeah, I like playing. I mean, you, hey, listen, you want to be the best, you got to go compete against the best. Playing them up there will be tough. They've got a great team, so you're going to play them. So that's we might as well play them after get go. Uh, Jimbo, the move from from eight to ten games in an SEC schedule, which is obviously a line of scrimmage league, how important does the play up front on both sides of the ball become for you? And where are you progress-wise with those two groups? How, how good can they be? I think right now that's a great question, and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, this league is as, as much as the skill are. You got to have the guys up front that play. You got to make those guys up front. Got to allow the guys, whether it's in the secondary or your receivers and quarterbacks and backs, tight ends to make plays. And the physicality of this league really concerns you. Now, up front in the offensive line, we've got a we've got a group of guys that have played a lot of football that have started and and they're there. We feel very comfortable right now. We got to develop every backup for two reasons: one, because of physicality of the league, and two, because of COVID and the situations that occur. Defensive line wise, I think our depth is as good as it's been. I think we got some really good guys up front. I mean, I thought, uh, like I said, Michael Clemens, Leal, Jaden Peavy yesterday, those guys all did a really good – you felt those guys. And then you see how Bobby Brown, you got – I mean, you, there's a lot of young guys in there, that talent, you know, Ty, Tyree and all those guys. I mean, there's some guys in there that can really play with a good group of freshmen coming. So, we're developing depth, developing those guys, feel very comfortable, but we got got to continue to have depth at those positions. All right, Shane. So well, everything Fisher had to say here, what uh, what stood out to you? Well, just the trenches, you know, because a lot of people don't realize that games are decided there, you know. Uh, I mean, honestly, when you have a big play on, on defense and there's a sack, usually it's because one of those big boys messed up up front. You know what I'm saying? Right. So uh, just the confidence he has in that. Um, also, the confidence he has in Alabama, you know. I mean, he answered this question perfectly. Didn't didn't bat an eye. Yeah, we won Alabama. Hell, we won. I mean, that's where they're at, Mike. Uh, you know, they want to compete in the SEC West. Well, you, you got to. It goes through Bama. So, uh, no, he's excited. I'm excited. I think. I think uh, the depth that they have this this may be uh, this may be the season, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying it all off season. So we're gonna find out real damn quick how good the Aggies are traveling to Alabama, and I'm just hoping that's gonna be one hell of a game. Yeah, of course, this would be the year Tennessee gets them, too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last uh, thing real quick, uh, not a clip or anything, but Bark Stoop says, Terry Wilson fully cleared, so that's good, and no waiver yet on Joey Gatewood, so we're still waiting that thing out. And considering they're playing at Auburn week one, I'd love to see Joey Gatewood at least have the chance to go up against uh, Bo Nix and Gus Malzahn and all those, so that'd be a hell of a matchup, but uh, – you know, we went a little bit long here, Shane. You got anything else before we hop off here? Do they think Joey's a guard? Just kidding. Okay, that's it. <laughs> last, last one, I promise. <laughs>
No, I don't have anything. Uh, this was this was fantastic, man. You might this may be a two day show for some of the listeners. So it was great to have all the coaches on. It's great to have you on, Mike. But uh, we'll 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 definitely get together later in the week. I'm sure we'll get some more action. Absolutely. And if you made it this far, if you wouldn't mind just going a little step further, giving us a five star written review on Apple Podcasts, we really do appreciate each and every one of those. And we'll just send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that. So that's going to do it for this one. Thanks for joining me, Shane, as always. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols.